0: America. Welcome to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. And we are here Monday through Friday at the 2 p.m. Eastern time slot to shine the light of truth on the educational landscape in this country. And by shining the light of truth on the educational landscape, that light expands to essentially all other areas, even when it comes to national parks, what does it really really Dean does shining the light of truth on the educational landscape uh, spill over onto national parks? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And and after we talk about this article today, you're going to, you're going to understand why. And I need to set this up by asking you a question. And it's a simple question. And I, I know the answer. It's rhetorical, but I I want you to think about it. Here's the question. Why? Why? Why, for the love of Pete, would we destroy history in this country? Yeah, that's the question. And you can even throw in there, for the love of Pete. Why, for the love of Pete, are we and will we destroy history in this country? Because we are. We're destroying it. We are attempting to remove it from our memory banks. Now, yesterday, if, if you miss yesterday's show, I'm sure it's in podcast by now. Uh, it's called The Beauty of Unity. And I I led with this quote in yesterday's show from from Michelangelo. And essentially, I'll just I'll, I'll summarize it. Michelangelo says, beauty in and of itself doesn't cause pain. The pain comes when we fail to see and or hear the beauty. That's that's when pain enters us, when we are failing to see and or hear the beauty in a thing. And I read to you from an article that was entitled, What Should We Lose by Our Ignorance? Uh, And um, just by the title of the article, the premise is we lose a lot uh, by being ignorant. Michelangelo says when we're ignorant of beauty then uh that invites pain into our lives and the author of of yesterday's article sir r w livingstone uh you know he he lists a litany of things that we lose by our ignorance and he specifically is referring to our ignorance of of Greece and Rome um greco roman classical thought that's ultimately that's that's what he's referring to when we when we're ignorant of a classical education, we lose much. And this is the whole point of of perhaps removing history from our memory. It's so that we can lose much. Much of what uh, the left would like for us to lose is an understanding of where America came from, an understanding of our founding. A quote that I read to you yesterday from this article, What Should We Lose by Our Ignorance, uh, goes like this, A man who knows the origins of the world in which he lives looks at it with more understanding, walks in it with secure and more certain steps. He is less intimidated by words, for he knows their history, less inclined to either excessive respect or contempt for existing institutions. For he sees how they came to be there, and this, this, and I said this yesterday. The left fears this. The left fears uh, a citizenry and a populace uh, who understands the origins of the world in which they live, uh, because we're we're, we're then you know, with that understanding, we're able to walk more securely, with more certain steps. We're less intimidated because we have an understanding. Uh, And this is why Marxists that are taking over seemingly every area of our government, uh, you know, want to follow the Marxist playbook of removing history from our eyes, removing history from, from our memory. I'm holding an article here. This article is entitled Erasing History. Park Service to remove William Penn's statue in Philadelphia in a a move to provide more inclusivity. Hmm. All right. So under the guise of inclusivity, the, 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 the Park Service in Pennsylvania is removing a statue of William Penn in Philadelphia. Well, who is William Penn, might you ask? And why in the world would we have to remove a statue of William Penn in the honor of, or in the name of inclusivity? Well, here's what the article says. The National Park Service says it is rehabilitating Philadelphia's Welcome Park to ensure it's, quote, more welcoming, accurate, and inclusive for visitors. Part of that plan includes removing a statue of the city's founder, William Penn. All right. You know, Penn is not only the founder of, of the city of Philadelphia, but Pennsylvania is named after William Penn. All right. He's he's the namesake for the state. And the National Park Service says it's going to rehabilitate the welcome park in the city of Philadelphia to ensure it is, quote, more welcoming. We want this welcome park to be more welcoming and so we've got to take away the statue of william penn because william penn clearly is not a welcoming figure while well, he's some white guy from colonial times how welcoming can that possibly be a white colonial guy screams this is a not non-welcome place turn and run i mean clearly that's that's what it you know but that's the opinion of the left the left is very anti white colonial And so William Penn has to go. Uh, They want the the Welcome Park to be more accurate. I mean, how could it be any more accurate than to have a statue of William Penn in it? What that's not accurate. Uh, How is that inaccurate? I need someone to tell me. How uh, how in the world is a statue of William Penn inaccurate? And, of course, they want the Welcome Park to be more inclusive. You know how, uh, I just, mm, okay, all right. It's not inclusive because he was a white colonial man. -uh. He had three things going against him. Number one, he was white. Number two, he was colonial. Number three, he was a man. Those three things are very, uh, they're they're very non-inclusive. No, we need to include one and all. So we got to get rid of the white guy the white colonial guys got to go. In addition to removing the statue, the National Park Service said in an announcement last week that it will also remove the model of Penn's home, known as the slate roof house, which was built at the current location of Welcome Park, which was named for the ship Welcome, which Penn took to America 1682. We can't have any remembrance of the ship named welcome all right look the ship is called welcome okay uh the um uh you know the the park is called welcome park All right, named after the ship how is that not welcoming yeah right you want to ensure the park is quote more welcoming and so it, to make it more welcoming you're going to uh you know take down the house you know, the, the the model of Penn's house, what are you going to rename it from Welcome Park? You got to take away the name Welcome to make it more welcoming. Uh, the proposed plan for the park was developed with input from representatives of five Native American tribes and will include an expanded interpretation of the Native American history of Philadelphia, the parks agency said. All right. So in order for us to make it more welcoming, more accurate, more inclusive, we have to get rid of the uh, statue of the colonial white guy, and we have to include more include more Native American stuff. Okay, we, We've got representatives of five Native American tribes, and we're going to include an expanded interpretation of the Native American history of Philadelphia. And it can't include anything that's going to remind us of William Penn. We can't talk about the old white colonial guy. Uh-uh. That's off the table. Penn, who was a Quaker, was known for advocating and championing religious freedom and supporting amicable relations with local Native Americans. Uh, we still can't talk about him though. Uh-uh. No, not gonna do it. We can't uh we cannot discuss William Penn. All right, so is this erasing history? that this is what i this is what i ask this is my question uh you know why are we doing this number 1 i know the answer they're giving us because they want to be more welcoming more accurate and more inclusive and you know a statue of as i've already said a statue of a white colonial guy is neither welcoming accurate or inclusive according to the the left and so we have to erase him all right so In honor of erasing William Penn, today we have got to go to history class, and we've got to talk about who indeed William Penn was. What did he stand for? And, uh, you you know, because once we realize what he stood for, uh, once we realize who this man was, what his values were, then we're going to understand why the left wants to get rid of him so badly. Because his values are not the values of the left. The values that William Penn stood for, they are not the values of the Marxists. They are not the values of the leftists or the progressives. Uh, And and you're going to see that. You're going to see it loud and clear. You're going to see it in who his dad was and in who he was and what he stood for. So here we go, kids. Are you ready to go to history class? Uh, all right. I I hear the bell ringing. I need a bell chime because uh, we're going into it. Uh, and, and in order to talk about William Penn, we have to talk about his dad. We have to talk about England. England was in a civil war from 1642 to 1646. Did you know that England was in a civil war between the Anglicans and the Puritans? The Puritan army was led by Lord Protector Oliver Cromwell, and Cromwell defeated the royalist Anglican army of King Charles I. Uh, this, of course, led to the unfortunate beheading of Charles. Uh, the Englishmen then set up a covenantal form of government with no king. Uh, and This was called the Commonwealth of England. It was essentially England's ver- version Of the American Republic. It was a a, a We the People type experiment. Unfortunately, it only lasted a dozen years. However, for his military service in this Civil War, Cromwell awarded Admiral William Penn, who was the founder or the father of uh, William Penn Jr. I don't think they called him Jr. I don't know if he was a second, Uh, but Admiral William Penn is his father. And he was, um, you know, he, he was in the military service of Cromwell. Uh, after the war, uh, Cromwell awards him Macroom Castle in Ireland on land that was seized from uh, the English, from the Catholics after the failed rebellion of 1641. Uh, Cromwell then sent Admiral Penn Senior to the Caribbean. Or he captured Jamaica from the Spanish in 1655. When Penn returned to England, the political climate had changed. He was suspected of corresponding with the exiled son, Charles II, and he was arrested, and he was imprisoned in the Tower of London. Uh, fortunately for him, he was soon released and knighted by Oliver Cromwell's own son. It was during this time that the Penn Estate in Ireland was visited by a Quaker missionary named Thomas Lowe. Thomas preached to at then the 15-year-old son, William Penn Jr. Lowe shared about the light of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and that faith was more than agreeing with government doctrines. And it was during this time that young Penn later recalled that, quote, the Lord visited me and gave me divine impressions of Himself. So William Penn has this relationship. Uh, he he has this discovery, this newfound discovery of who God is, and you know what having a relationship with God actually looks like. And it's not just um, you know a- agreeing with with you know what the 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 church government doctrines were. It was having this moment where you could actually be in a relationship with God. You could actually communicate with him on your own. And and Penn says he had this visitation, and God gives him this divine impression of himself. Uh, Oliver Cromwell would would soon die, and his son Richard would kind of take over. But yet Richard uh, was not a very strong personality. He was unable to hold the commonwealth together. And many people begin to advocate for a return to the monarchy. And, of course, King Charles I, his son, uh, you know, is still alive. He's in exile in the Netherlands. And many people begin to advocate for this return, including Admiral Penn, Admiral William Penn, Sr. And so uh, the admiral sails uh, to the Netherlands, and he, with, with a group of others, they bring Charles II back to England. Uh, where, where uh, he's restored to his father's throne. And this ends the Commonwealth of England, and they go back to a monarchy. Uh, in appreciation for Penn's loyalty, uh, King Charles II knights him and gives him the rank of Lord High Admiral with the title of Sir, Sir Lord High Admiral. And it's about this time that young William Penn uh, enters Christchurch College, at Oxford University. And it, it's, it's here that he becomes a champion of freedom of, of, of conscience. Uh, in 1670, uh, King Charles II uh, begins to aggressively enforce what he called the Conventicle Act, which prohibited unauthorized meetings of, quote, more than five persons in addition to members of the family for any religious purpose, not according to the rules of the Church of England. Uh, The word conventicle is derived from the word covenant, and it refers to uh, Matthew 18, 20, where Jesus said, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. It referred to small gatherings of believers. And uh, Charles didn't like this. Uh, His father had been overthrown by Puritans. And Charles II is very suspicious of anyone meeting in secret that could be planning or, or planning an uh, an insurrection. And um he 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 did away with this. But here is uh you know William William Penn Jr. He's at Oxford and he's starting to to listen to to other preachers, other Quakers, and they're talking about having this relationship with God yes. and they're doing this in uh-oh, in small meetings, bump, bump, bum. Can't do that. Can't do that. All right, here we are at the end of this break. We will pick up history class on the other side. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. off welcome back to the dean's list i'm dean bowen you are listening to america out loud talk radio you can find us here monday through friday the 2 p.m eastern time slot at america dot news where you can listen on the world-class media player and if you've not been uh to the website yet because, again, I know some of you listen on the app. You can download this sweet app for your Apple, your iPhone, and Alexa. That's usually how, how I listen. Or some of you just find us later in podcasts. The next day, all shows go into the podcast format. So I know many of you listen via podcast. So maybe you haven't been to the website. Americaoutloud.news has been revamped, and it looks fantastic. Uh, it's It's organized beautifully with articles and podcasts and and some excellent authors. There's some excellent uh, voices there at americaoutloud.news. So if you haven't had a chance to visit that yet, uh, do it. Many voices, one freedom, united in the First Amendment. Uh, Love that tagline because that's what we are. We're united in the First Amendment. And right now, today, we are using the First Amendment to decry the removal of our history. Um, If you missed the first segment, uh, uh, the National Park Service is looking to remove the statue of William Penn from the uh, Philadelphia Welcome Park because they want to ensure that the park is more welcoming. And, you know, in order to do that, you got to get rid of, of the city's founder and and the state's namesake, William Penn. I mean, nothing screams unwelcomed like a statue of William Penn. Uh, the other reason given is to make it more accurate. I don't know how it could be any more accurate than having a statue of its founder there. And they also want to make it more inclusive. I mean, because a statue of a uh, a white colonial guy screams Uh, non-inclusivity. So I think it's important that we know who is William Penn. What did he stand for? What was he all about? Uh, You know, what is it about William Penn that makes him uninclusive? And I'm here to tell you that the three reasons given are not the three reasons why they're taking down the statue. And once we're done, you know, learning about William Penn, you're going to see it and you're going to go. Oh, okay. Oh, that's why. That's why they're taking down the statue of William Penn. That's why they want to erase the memory of William Penn. Yeah, yeah. That's the point, indeed. So, we're here at the uh, in 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 the Penn story. Uh, Oliver Cromwell is dead. Uh, the, uh, the 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 kingdom has been turned back over to a monarch, and uh, King Charles II is on the throne. His father was removed from the throne during the Civil War. His father was beheaded. Uh, Lord Oliver Cromwell was kind of keeping the Commonwealth together. Uh, Cromwell uh, died. His son really wasn't able to uh, keep things afloat. So William Penn's father, who was an admiral, felt like maybe going back to a, a monarchy was the thing to do. And he went to the Netherlands, and he retrieved um, Charles II. And so that's where we are. Uh, King Charles II uh, aggressively enforces the Conventicle Act, which is to say that you know people can't gather in small groups. And um, you know, the reason he's doing this is because his father was overthrown by Puritans who would gather together in small groups, And so now Charles II is very suspicious of anyone meeting in secret, because they could be planning an insurrection. The English Book of Canon Law, Article 11, are you ready for this? Here we go. Here's what it states. All conventicles and secret meetings have ever been justly accounted very hateful to the state. The state hates these things. I mean, we hate it when you guys meet together in small groups, because then you're plotting our destruction. You're plotting to overthrow all this great stuff that we have. It sounds like, uh, you know, why the teachers unions get so upset when we when we go after them, because, you know, they have all these great perks. Uh, we'll talk about that another day. Trust me. All right. So, um, The article states, no priests or ministers of the word of God, nor any other persons, shall meet together in any private house or elsewhere, under pain of excommunication. Dissenters were arrested, brought in for questioning, similar to January 6th type hearings, I gotta tell you. Uh, Detained indefinitely, similar to January 6th people, and even accused of plotting insurrections. Oh, doesn't that sound like January 6th? Under duress, these individuals were compelled to confess to things they did not do. Among those punished were Baptists, Quakers, Catholics, nonconformists who met, quote, in any other manner than according to the liturgy and practice of the Church of England. You could not meet, other, you know, in other words, you could not meet a small group uh, unless it was sanctioned by the church of england talk about the removal of privacy Uh, charles ii is panicked and paranoid he doesn't want to lose the throne like his father did so he's like no one's meeting we're shutting this thing down Uh, if you were caught sentences included imprisonment without bail for up to six months Fines from five to 100 pounds sterling, or you could be deported for up to seven years. We're just going to send you back to where you came from, huh? Uh, if officials did not administer punishment, they too were subject to the penalties. So of course they're going to administer the punishment. I mean, they they might even administer more of the punishment. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, nobody wants to be. Uh, Uh Uh-uh. Nobody wants to be caught red-handed and nailed to the wall for this one. So here we are on the fateful day of August 14th. Oh, my anniversary, by the way. 1670. Police padlocked the Quaker meeting house on London's Grace Church Street. Quakers gathered outside to hear the preaching of Quaker William Meade, a former captain in Cromwell's army. And who else did they want to hear? 25-year-old William Penn. Oh, here we go. Penn and Meade were arrested and held for weeks in prison, then brought to trial in what is now today known as the Bushels case. Uh, And here's the court record. This is so intriguing. I'm going to read a little bit of it to you just because, you know, I love history. You know, when you get actual court record, why not read it? Penn. I desire you would let me know by what law it is you prosecute me, and upon what law you ground my indictment, Justice Howell. Upon the common law, Penn, where is that common I'm not going to say their names back and forth. I, you're, you're just going to have to hang, hang with me. Where is that common law? Uh, the justice replies, you must not think that I am able to run up so many years and over so many adjudged cases which we call common law, to answer your curiosity. You are a saucy fellow. Speak to the indictment. You are a saucy fellow. (laughs) Speak to the charge at hand. Penn says, this answer I am sure is very short of my question, for if it be common, it should not be so hard to produce. The question is not whether I'm guilty of this indictment, but whether this indictment be legal. It is too general and imperfect an answer to say it is the common law, unless we knew both where and what it is. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. And that law, which is not in being, is so far from being common that it is no law at all. Holy smokes. (laughs) Uh, William Penn's not messing around. You know, he, he, he wants to know exactly where this common law is. Uh, and the judge says, sir, you are a troublesome fellow, and it is not for the honor of the court to suffer you to go on. Take him away. And, and that, that was it. Uh, the judge orders Penn bound and gagged. However, as he's being taken away, this is what he shouts to the jury. You are Englishmen. Mind your privilege. Give not away your Right. And juror Edward Bushell responds, and this is where we get the the, the Bushell case from, because Edward Bushell responds, nor shall we ever do. And when the jury refused to convict Penn, the judge ordered the entire jury thrown in jail. Oh, boy. So who do you think's taking notes from the monarchy? Which political party in America do you think is taking notes from King Charles II? If you said the Democrat Party, you answered correctly. I'm sorry to my Democrat friends out there, but the leaders of your party are are evil. They're tyrannical. They're despots. Uh, they they don't believe in freedom, nor do they want freedom, and and they don't want us to remember history. And so they're going to do everything they can to remove it from our memories. Uh all right. Uh, back to the 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 court record. So the judge orders the entire jury thrown in jail. Here's what the judge said. You shall go together and bring in another verdict, or you shall starve. Wow. I mean, wow. A plaque at London's Old Bailey Law Court reads the following. Near this site, William Penn and William Reed were tried in 1670 for preaching to an unlawful assembly in Grace Church Street. This tablet commemorates the courage and endurance of the jury, Thomas Veer, Edward Bushel, and 10 others who refused to give a verdict against them, although locked up without food for two nights and were fined for their final verdict of not guilty. So they stuck to their guns and they said not guilty, even after being locked in prison without food for for, for two days. Uh, And then they were fined for that verdict." Talk about wanting to force the hand of the jury. Um, the case of these jurymen was reviewed on a writ of habeas corpus, and Chief Justice Vaughn delivered the opinion of the court, which established the right of juries to give their verdict according to their convictions. The jury then sued the judge and court officials at the King's bench for false imprisonment. In their defense, court officials unbelievably cited the spanish inquisition as a precedent to justify their actions yeah i don't i don't think so i'm sorry after a year the jury won their case this established the principle that no jury could be punished for their verdict and was reflected in america's bill of rights guaranteeing the right to a fair trial by a jury of one's peers so this is what 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 William Penn has brought to us. I mean, the actions of of a William Penn uh is you know his actions are foundational to our constitution. They're 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 it's a foundational principle in our amendments. Uh we uh, we deserve this. We deserve a uh a right to a fair trial by a jury of, of, of one's peers is an interesting, isn't it? Interesting that this is not happening to the January Sixers. I mean, the uh, the resemblance here is uncanny, uncanny. Uh, Admiral William Penn offered to pay his son's fines to get him released, but Penn urged him the following. He said, I entreat thee not to purchase my liberty. I would rather perish than release myself. The advantage of such freedom would fall very short of the trouble of accepting it. And he also wrote this, my prison shall be my grave before I will budge a jot, for I owe my conscience to no mortal man. Talk about sticking to your guns. This is who William Penn was. He stuck to his guns. He said, I owe my conscience to no mortal man. Well, who does he owe it to? God. He owes his conscience to God. Penn realized he was engaged in an act of civil disobedience for the sake of securing rights for future generations of Englishmen and also, unbeknownst to him, for Americans. He was locked up in London's notorious Newgate prison. And he wrote the following while there. By liberty of conscience, we understand not only... A mere liberty of the mind. Nevertheless, the admiral paid his son's and meade's fines and they were released. The father later accepted his son's views because um originally, you know, dad's pretty upset. I mean, you know, Penn is making, you know, making all this trouble. And of course, father is Sir Admiral. I mean, he's in the royal court, and he's like my son's doing all this, I'm, I'm gonna get in trouble. And so the the dad was pretty upset and he at one point even threatened to uh disavow him. He did not do that. He didn't have the heart. He loved his son. Uh finally he accepts his his son's views. Uh close to his deathbed, the father said, "Let nothing in this world tempt you to wrong your your conscience. Stay true to your conscience, son." So he ended up being very very proud of him. Um the father had not only helped to restore uh, King Charles to the throne, but he also lent the king sixteen thousand pounds of sterling. So, um, the king has a debt um, to to Penn Senior. Uh, Penn Senior realizes that you know once he is dead and gone, there's going to be no one to intercede for his son. So he spent his final days petitioning the king you know, look favorably on on William, and also on the king's younger younger brother, James, Duke of York. Uh, Penn Jr. and and James, you know, the, these, these two guys, you know, fought together in various wars. They're, they're friends. Uh, so at the end of his life, here's what Admiral Penn writes, son William, if you and your friends keep to your plain way of preaching and keep to your plain way of living, You will make an end of the intolerant priests to the end of the world. Bury me by my mother. Live all in love. I mean, basically saying, keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Let your conscience be your guide. Make an end to this intolerance, to the intolerance of this, um, the, the, the priests that are completely intolerant of other religions. And do this to the end of the world. And, and this is who, who William Penn Jr. was. This is what he stood for. This is what he believed in. Uh, he, he believed in, in religious freedom. He, um, uh, he he believed in accepting everybody for who they were. Uh, not, not just you know members of the Anglican Church. And, and so when he came to America, He purposed that uh, Pennsylvania would be a land welcome and open to everybody. How can you not be more inclusive than that? You can't be more inclusive than that. You can't be more welcoming than that. You can't be more accurate than that. So the reasons that they're giving us of taking down this man's statue are a lie. They're lying to us. Bold-faced lies. All right, we'll pick it up on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Dean's List America Out Loud Talk Radio, it's a fight for the soul of humanity. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Trust natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at EnergeticHealthInstitute.org. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, foreign protein cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud talk radio history class today. Welcome in to history class. And we just felt like it was important that we learn a little bit about William Penn, given the fact that the National Park Service is, quote, according to this article, rehabilitating Philadelphia's Welcome Park to ensure it is more welcoming, accurate, and inclusive for visitors. And part of that plan includes removing not only the statue of the city's founder William Penn, but also removing the model of Penn's home, known as the slate roof house. It was built at the current location of Welcome Park, which Welcome Park is named after the ship which Penn took to come to America in 1682. The ship was called Welcome, so you're going to rename the the park. You you gonna you can't call it Welcome Park anymore. Unless you're just assuming people think, oh, we're being welcomed here. It's Welcome Park. It's a welcome center. That's all it is. It's a welcome center. I mean, you know, I wonder if there's any mention or will remain any mention that that was the name of Penn's ship. So we've got to discover a little bit about who William Penn is. What did this man stand for? What were his values? Because, you know, the National Park Service are telling us they've got to take down the statue uh, to be more welcoming, accurate, and inclusive. Uh, But we discover here, the more we get into the life of William Penn, we learn that is a lie. Uh, There's nothing more welcoming or more accurate or more inclusive about a statue of this man being here. This man and his life and his values scream out welcome. They scream out inclusivity. Um, you know, but the liberal left here in charge, uh, they've got other reasons why they want to take down this man's statue. They've got other reasons why we can't know who this man is. They don't want us to understand his values. All right, we, we've We've already learned uh, and, and we know that the Anglican Church was very powerful. We know that the King of England uh, very much was adamant uh, about these, you know, various laws. Um, you know, so he passes this law that you can't gather in small groups, you know, because he's um, he's suspicious of small groups. He's afraid that there's going to be a, quote, insurrection. He's afraid that people are planning his demise, just like they planned the, de- the, the demise of his father and and so he's going to enact laws he's going to 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 save his hide here he's going to save his bacon he's got to save the monarchy and so he does so by not allowing you know small groups together can't let these small groups get together can't let these people whisper can't let them talk about how they don't like me Uh uh-uh everyone's got to love me while i'm the blooming king of england must be loved by all so got to enact this law this law has got to make it illegal for people to gather in small groups. And they can only, 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 only speak and preach at sanctioned Anglican church meetings. And so here we got Pan out here, and he's at a Quaker meeting, not sanctioned, and he's arrested, um, you know, but it, it, his father it says, you know what, follow your conscience. His dad was originally upset about it, but now he's follow your conscience, follow your conscience. And then maybe you can change the world. If you'll only follow your conscience, young William, you might be able to change the world by removing the intolerance. And at the time, it was, it was the priests. It was the government leaders. It was the church leaders. They were intolerant of everybody else. And this is who William Penn was. Now we have this National Park Service that's getting, you know, rid of the Penn statue because they want to be more inclusive. But by being more, more inclusive, what they're doing is is getting rid of, of white colonial men. Um, you know, this is the new order of the day. This is the new inclusivity of the day by excluding white colonial men you know, or maybe just, you know, white men in, in, in general, ultimately. You know, so it, William Penn. What what we learn about him is that um, he believes in, in, in being welcome. He believes in being inclusive. So his father dies, and there's a, a large debt that the king owes his his dad. It's like sixteen thousand, um, you know, sterling silver pounds. Here, I mean that's that's a lot. Uh, so young William suggests that the king repay him uh, with land in America uh, the king likes young William uh, despite his religious beliefs uh, the king uh, loved his father you know appreciated the loyalty of his father uh, and and so the king says yeah okay and he grants uh, William Penn a huge, Tract of wilderness, which the king names Pennsylvania. It means Penn's woods. That's what it means. It's just a, a wilderness land. Uh, and and the king says, "Here you go, all right, young Penn Jr." So it's his, it's Penn's dream at this point to come to America and really just create religious freedom. He wants to further this idea of religious and civil liberty. That's who William Penn was. Penn was a founding father who truly believed in welcoming everybody, who truly believed in being inclusive to one and all, who truly wanted um, this this place where people could uh, come, you know, from all over the world, ultimately. You know, he wanted to establish a place where people could come and experience uh, religious and and civil freedom and liberty. He and I and I think what the liberal left d- doesn't want us to know. In this article that I cited at the at the top of the show, um, erasing history. It says here that the reason. Let me pull this up. The reason the the, the, the National Park Service gives us uh, welcoming, accurate, and inclusive, and then um, the proposed plan for the park was developed with input from representatives of five Native American tribes, and it will include an expanded interpretation of the Native American history of Philadelphia. So we're going to get rid of the. Colonial version. All right, we're we're gonna we're gonna exclude the 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 white colonial man, and we're going to uh, replace it with uh, with the Indian version. Which I, I don't have a problem with it, including the Indian uh, story here. I don't see why we don't. I mean, you essentially had two nations that lived together sometimes in peace and harmony and sometimes you know against each other at odds with each other at war with each other I, I don't know why we just can't tell the story you know what's wrong with telling the entire story the way it happened i mean let's let's include a statue of 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 the white colonial man william penn and let's also include you know a statue of of say uh chief teminent teminent chief teminent well who's chief teminent you might ask well, let's get into it let's get into the real accurate history here uh june 23rd 1683 so uh w- william penn arrives uh august 30th 1682 roughly Um, you know, to to begin, you know, what he referred to as a, quote, a a holy experiment. That's what he called it. William Penn wants to, to engage in this holy experiment, which is essentially a colony that would be a refuge for not only Quakers, but settlers of various faiths. Penn's guarantee of religious freedom was then one of the most comprehensive in the world. He guaranteed religious freedom for anybody who wanted to show up indeed his plan to include diverse populations while extending a broad measure of uh, religious and political equality was nothing less than revolutionary for its time. nothing less. this is something that's that's not being done anywhere. what what, what Penn was doing essentially was the the forerunning of of what, uh, Jefferson drafted in the Declaration, and what the fellows put together in the Constitution. This is the forerunner of that. Um, it's it's unmatched, revolutionary for, at, at its time. Nothing less than, than than revolutionary. Catholics, Lutherans, Baptists, Presbyterians, even Anglicans rushed to settle the rich lands. And by 1700, Pennsylvania has as many as 21,000 settlers. Uh, the capital, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, became a thriving metropolis, soon the largest of North America's colonial cities. And as settlers arrived, English, Scott, Irish, Welch, German, Dutch, Swedish, you name it, they're coming. Uh, Penn's Woods began to resemble the famous American melting pot uh, because this was his dream. August 30th, eighteen or 1682. On June 23rd, 1683, almost a year later, he signs a peace treaty with the Delaware Indians in the region. You know, wh- wh- why can't we have a, a plaque discussing that? Why don't we have a statue of William Penn and a statue of Chief Taminend there? Along the Delaware River, Indians called themselves Lenape, meaning uh, in Algonquian the people. And Lenape consisted of three clans they were the turkey, the wolf, and the turtle. Uh, the Lenape turtle chief was Tamanin, and he met with William Penn. And Tamanin called him Miquan, which means quill. And under an elm tree, they signed this treaty. Uh, in a place that would uh, become Philadelphia, they made a peace treaty, which lasted for over seventy years. You know what? Why can't we tell this story at this at this you know Welcome Park here? Why can't we Why can't we include all of our history? Why do we have to take down the statue of William Penn in the name of being more inclusive to to non whites? because it was the evil white man that came here and destroyed everybody and destroyed everything. The truth is, William Penn loved everybody. And he wanted Pennsylvania, you know, his woods to be a place where anybody could come and settle and live in peace to the extent that he signs this peace treaty with Chief Taminen, and it lasts for over 70 years. Let's include that. In 1688, Christians in Pennsylvania began the abolitionist movement when Quakers, Pietists, Lutherans, Mennonites, when when they issued the first document in America to oppose slavery of blacks. This was known as the Germantown Petition of 1688. Did did you know this? How how come this is not included at... uh, you know, what's the name of this place again? Welcome Philadelphia's Welcome Park? How could we don't talk about the complete history of it? Uh, you know, part of the petition read, how fearful are many on sea when they see a strange vessel, being afraid it should be a Turk, and they should be taken and sold for slaves into Turkey. There is a saying that we shall do to all men like as we are to... There is a saying that we shall do to all men, like as we would like to be done to ourselves. That was a tongue twister. Making no difference of what generation or descent of color they are. There are those obsessed, or there are, there are those oppressed, which are of a black color. We are against this traffic of men, and we who profess this Uh, we profess it's not lawful to steal, must likewise avoid to purchase such things that are stolen. Then in Pennsylvania to have a good report in what manner ye Quakers do rule in their province. This is what these guys were after. I mean, they were after freedom for everybody. And this is what William Penn stood for. Not just religious liberty and and civil, uh, 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 civil liberty, uh, you know, but he he wanted liberty for all, including you know slaves to be set free. In Pennsylvania, sixteen ninety seven, Chief Tamenend gave his last message before he died, and here's here's what his message was: We and Christians of this river have always had a free roadway to one another, and though sometimes a tree has fallen across the road, yet we have removed it again and kept the path clear. Holy smokes, why is that not on a plaque commemorating a statue of the chief next to the statue of William Penn? Because it shows unity. It shows two nations coming together in unity, and the left can't show that. The left can't teach that to our kids. The The progressive indoctrination of the Marxist left says we have to divide and conquer this country. We cannot show that Indians and and Christian white men live together in unity and harmony whenever possible. I mean, in the chief's own words, we and Christians of this river have always had a free roadway to one another, though sometimes a tree has fallen across the road, yet we've removed it again and kept the path clear. Talking about a beautiful metaphor, Uh, It doesn't get any better than that metaphor right there. Uh, Unity. Absolute unity. That's what William Penn stood for. He stood for uh, civil religious liberty. He stood for liberty for all. He stood for the abolition of slavery, and he stood for unity. William Penn signed a peace treaty with the Indians that lasted for over 70 years, and he and the chief came together as one. And while they, they may have disagreements, you know, while, you know, a a, a tree may have, you know, fallen across the, the road, they removed it together through unity. The fact that the National Park Service wants to remove the statue of William Penn, my friend, is a travesty. All they want to do is wipe history clean and clear from our minds. They want to wipe history from this generation, and we need to oppose it we need to stand in direct opposition to it. So uh, the National Park Service is seeking public input from January 8th to the 21st. Here's my recommendation to you, give public input. People looking to comment can go to parkplanning.nps.gov and enter your comments on the redesign. All right, I'm going to post this in my show notes. We need to flood the gates on the comments of this redesign because what they're doing to our history is a travesty. I suggest we have a a statue of Penn and the chief with plaques commemorating their unity. All right, that's all the time we have for today, America. Thank you for joining me. Encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. We must unite to renovate the age.